0: What does motion sound like? With Kizikans free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com/socks.
1: Welcome to Wire Receiver 1. A blue wire podcast presented by Winbet, and I'm the host, Chris Carter. Pro football Hall of Famer And today I'm talking to Chicago Bears wide receiver, Allen Robinson. The Detroit native was drafted in the second round in the 2014 NFL draft to the Jacksonville Jaguars. In his rookie season, 48 receptions, 548 receiving yards. Next season, he was named to the Pro Bowl. The same year, he was also the co-leader in receiving touchdowns. After an unfortunate ACL injury, Allen missed the 2017 season after being injured in week number one against the Houston Texans. Allen was traded to the Chicago Bears in 2018. He made a name for himself with that franchise. He's put up back-to-back thousand-yard seasons despite having tremendous quarterback challenges, and he's been quietly making a name for himself and making changes in that Chicago community. Allen began his Within Reach Foundation when he was first with the Jacksonville Jaguars which supported kids' education, but turned into feeding those kids in Chicago schools during COVID-19 pandemic. His efforts also landed him a Walter Payton Man of the Year nomination. Stay tuned for my interview with one of my favorite and one of the most underrated wide receivers that we have in the National Football League, Allen Robinson. A special thanks to Allen Robinson, Wide receiver, extraordinary. One of the most underrated wide receivers that we have in the NFL. He's been franchised by the Chicago Bears. Um, I got to go back a little bit in history, 2015, tied for NFL lead. And at that point, I really, at at ESPN, working at ESPN, I used to tell people, this is one of the rising stars. Then he had a knee injury, um, quarterback inconsistency, changed teams, came to Chicago as a free agent. And things have been inconsistent since he's been there. But I don't want you to start where you are right now. I want to go back to the um, kind of to the hood. I want to go back to Detroit, D-Town. I know you're very, very fond of it, um, where you came from. And you're like a lot of athletes. When you get midway through high school, you have some good mentors and, and coaches and stuff around you. And they start really putting the, the the hammer down on you that you have the potential to be special and you gotta step up your academics, you gotta step up your conduct, you gotta grow up a little bit. Was that very, very similar to you uh, around those age, around 14, 15, 16, um, there yeah. in Detroit?
0: Yeah, man, that was that was the exact age. You know, again, um um I had went to public school my entire life and going into high school, my parents wanted me to go and have a change of scenery. You know, and they were very, very, very adamant about that. For me, I didn't. I wanted to stay around, you know, uh, the area with my friends, you know, people I grew up with, right. and things like that. What part of
1: Detroit was that?
0: Yeah, so I grew up on the west side of Detroit around uh, okay. McNichols and, and like um and like the Outer Drive area, you know, and then I moved to Southfield. Um, so for me, growing up in that kind of area and being around, you know, that environment, and it was what I was used to, you know, again, from competing in you know, pal early on, uh, that was what I was accustomed to, you know, again, so for me to go to high school, I went to high school about eh, an hour or so from where I live, maybe an hour and some change, went to an all boys prep school, you know, which was totally different, totally mm-hmm. different from me. You know, I, I remember, um, I was in the eighth grade, a little culture um, shock to you, right? Very much so. <laughs> I remember I was in the eighth grade and my dad took me up there and they had like a seven on seven for like the incoming freshmen. What was like the incoming freshmen and like some of the JV guys and varsity guys. And I did not get out the car. Me and my dad, man, my, I don't even want to say, I think what my dad did to me then, man, but man, (laughs) me and my, my dad had it out for me because I did not get out the car. I did not want to go to that school. I didn't want any part of
1: it. And there's probably a number of reasons. It wasn't because you didn't think you can compete. But it's a total, totally different world going from the west side of Detroit to trying to go to all. They probably had a, a uniform code. They probably had hair um, everything. <laughs> distinctions. Everything, everything,
0: right? Man, <laughs> uniform, uh, no facial hair. You name it, they had it, man. Uh, shoes, everything. You know, even as far as playing wise. You know, I think I was the first player, probably. I mean, I, I almost want to say ever to be able to come there and kind of like revamp it with like, you know, I don't want to say wristbands, but just different, you know, different color socks, everything like that. You know, there was a point in time where my high school coach. So actually, no flavor to nah, flavor. Nah, you brought nah, the flavor. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was actually me and one of my buddies. I remember my coach, my high school coach sat us down and said, look, if y'all want to wear because our school colors was black, white, and red. He's like, if y'all want to wear red socks, if y'all want to wear black socks, I'm cool with it, but everybody have to do it. Mm -hmm. So they went out and then we had like team socks, for like red socks for our red uniforms, black socks, and stuff like that. You know, even on the basketball side, when it came to team shoes and stuff like that, you know, I feel like that my kind of group of guys were kind of to the forefront of that, which I think changed changed the entire kind of culture of, mm-hmm. of my high school a little bit. I don't want to take a lot of credit for it because I know it's a, it's a ton of, ton of good dudes that, 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 that came before me that went high major and stuff. But you know, I think I definitely added a little
1: bit to that. Yeah. Cause they're not playing in the NFL, but it wasn't just, you know, some of the disciplines as a young person. Um, some of us academically from the teachers, how things are taught. Um, how did that help assist you? Cause a lot of times people know what we need because they know where we're going more than we do. And I think your parents, um, and I think your grand, your grandmother had something to do with all this too, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, my grandmother was a, was a teacher, um, for my entire years growing up until she retired, you know, so she was always super adamant about, you know, to kind of fast forward a little bit. I remember when I told her I was leaving college to go to the NFL and she was like, like you leaving college. And I'm like, yeah, like, (laughs) like I'm leaving. So, (laughs) I mean, I had good reason though, but I remember that being something. So, but you know, um, growing up, you know, school was something, I don't want to say I didn't take serious. It just was something that it didn't, it didn't always catch my interest, you know, until I got to high school. And I will say the difference from going from public school to prep school was when I first got to prep school, it was more so of, we know the direction in which you're trying to go in, this is how we can assist you. I feel like prior to that, it was a game plan. I feel like Mm -hmm. prior to that, everything that I wanted to do as far as possibly wanting to go to the NBA, wanting to go to the NFL, there was always laughed at. You know, it was always like, it's a joke, you know, like, yeah, mm-hmm. like everybody wants to, whatever, whatever. And me and having teachers kind of tell me that and kind of always just kind of deterred me from school being like, I mean, I'm not, because I knew I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to grow up and be a school teacher. That just wasn't what I had planned for me. So mm-hmm. like when different teachers would kind of, you know, try to divert me away from the dreams that I had, it will always kind of have me push back a little bit with school until I got to high school. And then it's like, look, we know in the direction that you're trying to go in. We've had people going that direction before. We know what it takes. This is what you got to do. And from that point on, I was sold.
1: There's so many similarities when I look at your career, and that's the reason why you're one of my favorites um, to be able to watch is not being underrated. But I grew up a hooper. (laughs) <laughs> and you're a hooper. I ain't talking yeah. about guys like to play basketball. My dreams when I laid down night is I was going to be playing in the NBA. I just happened to go to the NFL because I thought football was a lot easier, especially wide receiver, than making it is to the NBA. You're a little bit taller than me. I'm about 6'2 half, you You're about 6'3", six, 6'3 three, six, three So growing up as a hooper, you, weren't, you probably wasn't thinking, I ain't going to need much of college. I ain't going to need much of school. <laughs>
0: that's exactly what I was thinking. And I think that's a Midwest thing. You know, I tell guys down south all the time is, for us, when it get cold, we go in the gym. You know, for guys down south, they outside Great observation. All the yeah. You know, so I tell people that all the time. I spent tons of hours playing basketball all year round, going from football games to AAU tournaments, going from baseball games to AAU tournaments. My whole entire life, for the most part, from the time I was five, six years old till my senior high school was pretty much centered around basketball and everything Mm -hmm. else just kind of fell in place. But once I got to high school, football started to get a little bit easier. I mean, I was always pretty good in football, but I never spent any extra time with it until I got to like my sophomore year. And then I had some of my some of my coaches that was like, look, man, like it's a lot of schools that have interest in you like this is, you know, you might should want to look at this a little bit more than you are, you know? And then one mm-hmm. day, actually my college coach, I was taking a nap. He had uh, texted me a number. He said, call this number. And it was, you know, and it was uh, the university of Minnesota. And
1: that was my first offer. Wow. Wow. And that's when things started to change about halfway yeah. through high school for me. And I grew up in Ohio, not too much different than Detroit, small town outside of um, Cincinnati, but football started becoming easier because, the football coaches started letting me play basketball, started throwing me a lot of jump balls and things like that, that I enjoyed on the basketball court, like catching alley-oop dunking on someone. Um, So I started getting a lot of attention because I was first team All-American in high school and like fourth team All-American in basketball. My biggest problem, Alan, was my brother was in the NBA at the time. <laughs> so my brother was playing for the Pacers after being drafted, you know, by the Lakers. So give me some of the stories are one of the stories that changed what you thought about as far as basketball and potentially playing football. Was it a coach? Was it a recruiter? Because I had Ohio State's coach come to me and tell me when I was 17 that he had never told a kid this before. But if I wasn't starting for the Buckeyes that next year, when we opened the season, that he would be shocked. (laughs) And that's when I started saying, if I could start as a freshman man, I could have a great career. And then they started at that time, the USFL was um, originating. So you had two choices where you go. So um, those are the things that kind of swung me. Give me the things that kind of swung you from being a hooper to I'm going to go play football for a legendary coach in a legendary school. Yeah. So
0: for me, it was one of my high school coaches, Coach Phil. Um, Even, you know, I still work out with him. Today, you know, um, even uh, this summer, Mayhem got a lot nice. of work in. But he would always tell me that 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 my interest level would would shift at some point in time. He would tell me that, mm-hmm. you know. And as I kind of got up in high school, you know, I was always pretty pretty dominant. I would say on the on the basketball court when it came to obviously like high school stuff. And then once I would get out on the circuit, things would be a little bit different. Now you playing against these these lead guys and these five star guys who are now oh, you five, did you go to five star camp? No, I didn't. But just playing, just playing okay. on the circuit, man. Okay, yeah. Some of the best kids in the country. Where I mean, you're talking six five point guards, six six point guards. You know, what I'm saying guys who are on the wing now are six 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 seven. I remember playing against a kid named uh, LaQuint Ross, um, who was from who was from uh, Mississippi. He was mm-hmm. a six seven swingman. You know, and at the time I'm right. probably six one six two, and then on the contrary to that, I would go to seven on sevens. And I'm a big receiver. You know, I'm like, you're a giant. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm, (laughs) I'm, I'm the LaQuentin Ross or the whoever else who's on the wing (laughs) at receiver now. You know, I'm the big athletic can do it all, can move, can jump. I'm that guy on the field, you know, and, and as I continue to, to go about it, you know, it was tough for me when I, when it was my senior year and my last game in high school, it was tough to put the, to put the sneakers down, but I knew the decision I was making and I Mm -hmm. knew it was the right one.
1: Who were the schools that recruited you in football? And ultimately, why did you choose Penn State?
0: So it came down to really like um, Illinois, Penn State, uh, Cincinnati, Syracuse. Um, Michigan State wanted me to play a uh, cornerback. Um, and it was a few other schools that wanted me to play defense as well. Um, I didn't want to play defense. I mean, I played DB in high school and I think I was, I was decent at it. I just wasn't too comfortable with the, with, with playing the position. I wasn't comfortable enough to be able to bet on the rest of my career, you know, going into college, playing in that position. I felt very natural as a receiver. Um, I knew the ins and outs, and then actually my high school quarterback went to Penn State the year before I did and was the first black quarterback to ever start, uh, as a true freshman as well for Joe Paterno.
1: Amen. You you mentioned Joe Paterno, and I had a number of teammates from Middletown High School that went before me to Ohio State. Um, They had legendary Earl Bruce. He's not Joe Paterno, but in the football world, he was definitely a big name. And I wanted to stay close to home. What made you decide to give up basketball? And I could see why with some of the other choices, why you chose Penn state, but I haven't met a guy that didn't go to Penn state that they didn't choose it because Joe Paterno. And unfortunately for you, the guy who recruited you unbeknownst to you, that there was an investigation that was already taking place. That would be full bloom in your freshman year. What was your initial reaction to, to the news about Joe Paterno being involved in a child sex scandal?
0: Yeah, man. So I'll kind of go back a little bit. So, uh, choosing Penn State was a decision that again, I chose because I, I knew I wanted and I knew that I could play along with my high school quarterback being up there the year before I did. And even when I committed, it's funny because I came home and my dad was a little bit <laughs> upset that I committed to, to, to Penn State. He kind of wanted me to, to, to wait and, and possibly, uh, decide on if I want to go to Michigan State or not. As well, but then once Mm -hmm. I got up to Penn State, you know, knowing that I could play, you know, I didn't, I didn't red shirt. Um, I didn't play as much as I wanted to as a true freshman. But as the season kind of progressed, I started to play more and more and more. And ironically, we were coming up from a bye week, and I'll never forget it. And then one of my buddies texted me about uh, a possible investigation, you know, and I was like, "Yeah, like I didn't think too much of it. Like it's not going to be too much at all, you know, just something that's kind of going to blow over." And then lo and behold, once we got up there, you know, Monday, it wasn't too crazy with media. Tuesday was pretty crazy. Wednesday was extremely crazy. Thursday, we had a team meeting. Joe Paterno told us that he was uh, uh, that he was resigning as our as our head coach. And um, for me, again, it was all pretty crazy because that actually was the week that I was supposed to start. And also mm-hmm. the receiver coach that I had was involved in it as well. So he had to resign as well. So then we had an interim, uh, interim receiver coach come in, interim head coach come in. And at that point in time, we was, I think, number seven or eight in the country. And we had only lost to Alabama, you know. So Oh, yeah, I and we had that. And we had three games mm-hmm. left. It was against Nebraska, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. We knew we went two out of three. We possibly could go to the Rose Bowl. Good chance we go to the Rose Bowl. We win all three. It's a possibility that we may be in the mix to go to a BCS, uh, a BCS game. You know, maybe the national championship if we yeah, if we win. a rematch
1: out. against Alabama, wasn't it? Yeah, potentially. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> and for all of that to come down that week, man, it was it was crazy. You know, and um, and obviously that year, nothing would have ever been the same. But you know, that changed the dynamics uh, a lot. You know, and then as we started to progress, obviously getting. Getting a different coach and things like that, man. But it was a it was a whirlwind. I will say that, man. My freshman, well, really entire college career, you know. Once the sanctions came down, not being able to play for anything,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, um, having to adapt to different situations, man. It was it was a whirlwind. I mean, I wouldn't change it for nothing. You know, I think it was something that that uh, definitely built a lot of character within me. It's something that you know I set out to be able to go to Penn State to accomplish the things that I was able to accomplish. And with all that going on, I still was able to accomplish a lot, you know, so I wouldn't change it at all, but I definitely say it was a challenge.
1: And I've had some really good teammates um, that are really good men. And since I've been in the hall of fame too, I've met other great men from Penn state. And um, just like being an athlete or a former athlete, every time one of us gets involved in something that's negative, we all get painted with the same brush. Um, I just hate that people that go to an institution, that anything happens either they're there or not there 20 years before or after that all of them are trying to put into the same buck. And I know you're very, very proud of being a Penn, uh, Penn state alumni and going there and it got you to that next level. Yeah, definitely. And again,
0: I mean, it's something that for me and the guys who are there and the guys who came after me and everything like that, it's something that, you know, was such out of your control that happened You know, Mm -hmm. um, at a time where we weren't even around or anything like that, you know, so I mean, it, it definitely is sucks to be able to, you know, kind of be caught in that mix Mm -hmm. and just kind of title how you just were saying or just paint it with that kind of brush of that, you know, but again, I mean, it was a, it was a institution and, and a, and a, and a great group of people all around from the academic people to the, to the, to the training staff. Once Bill O'Brien came in, you know, and brought his staff, you know, it was definitely a great supporting group that helped me accomplish my goals and get to the next level. And also not just help me get there, but, but really prepare me for the next level.
1: To me, you, you have the sense of a lot of people have helped you, a lot of coaches, and, um, you go on to have a great career at Penn state, um, part-time starters or freshmen, um, First team Big Ten two years in a row, which is very very rare for 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 wide receivers um, in the Big Ten. Um, Now they throw the ball a lot more, but you transition, you end up getting drafted by Jacksonville in the second round. A lot like myself, I was first team All American, then didn't get drafted till the fourth round. So I came in with the chip on my shoulder. Tell me about your draft day experience. And you being projected, because I think you were projected a top 45 player. And then I wouldn't call it slipping, but being in the second round, I know you thought you were a first rounder.
0: Yeah, man. It was.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man. Come on. Tell me.
0: (laughs) It was frustrating. Uh, I'm not going to lie. You know, um, I'm not going to lie. It was frustrating because I didn't know if I would. I had I had I had some good meetings. Actually, I had some meetings with some teams probably two days before the draft. They came up for the whole weekend. We met, I want to say, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday of the draft. Draft is on Thursday. So, with that team, I thought for sure it's a good chance that they were drafting at the bottom of the first round. I thought it's a possibility I may go at the bottom of the first round.
1: Yeah, we might as well have some fun. Let's go ahead and reveal these teams because the legendary scout, Gil Brandt, he called me in my agent's office. Said, Chris, we got the 20th pick in the first round. We're going to take it." And they hung up the phone. I was like, "Okay, man." The first round went. Second round went. Third round went. I'm sitting there waiting on the floor. I said, "Man, some there must be some news out there or something." <laughs> but go ahead, give so, me some. Yeah. Of the, so, so tell so on at
0: them. The time, so at the time it was it was it was Carolina, um, and they come up, you know, bring the receiver up to Detroit. You know, we meet for three days, um, a little bit on the field, you know, but more so just kind of on the board, just talking, dinner, getting in the classroom, going over plays, you know, just. Just the normal football one on one stuff. But again, I mean, was Ricky Proder wide receiver coach then? He was. He was <laughs> at the time. He was. So meeting with them, you know, I'm like, okay, it's a possibility that I may go, you know, uh, at that point, um, bottom of one possibly. And then I had a visit prior to that w- was with the Colts and they told me, they said, uh, you know, we don't have a pick in the first round, but if you're in the second round for our pick, like you're not going to get past us. So then fast forward to draft day. So I don't get drafted in the first round, you know. I have a draft party actually, um, at my high school. So I really wasn't too upset, you know. It just was was what it was. Um, actually, my dad was probably more upset with me for, um, it was it just or right, so my dad was upset because at the time he had thought that I may have should have stayed
1: in school. Oh yeah, yeah. That, so this now is we're this at history. the draft.
0: Now we're oh, at yeah. the draft. So it's so far. So I'm kind of frustrated because that's so in the past that, you know, and he's frustrated. So it's a it's a lot of tension there. So now we go into day two.
1: Everyone, I'm just gonna interrupt you. Everyone wants you to go back to school, but they don't understand those mat drills in the winter. They don't all that conditioning, all that BS them coaches gonna give you for your last year. Man, I'm getting ready to get to the league. Go ahead. And
0: (laughs) and as well as that for myself, you know, um the because I had met with my coach, because I was gonna come back. Uh, I, w- I was going to come back. Um, I had met with my coach after the season in like December. Obviously, we didn't have any bowl games or anything like that. So I was going to come back. And then I remember telling my mom that like I was unsure. You know, my mom in certain situations is I can kind of talk to her and she'll just, she'll give me her true like mm-hmm. opinion. So I was talking to her and I was like, man, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, like I should, I don't know what I should do. You know, and she just told me to pray on it, pray on it, pray on it. That's what she would tell me. So then at, again, I mean, I prayed on it. You know, I asked I asked God to send me a sign. I'll never forget it. Maybe a week and a half, two weeks after that, New Year's Eve, Bill O'Brien calls me and says he's leaving for the Houston Texans. So for me, I said, oh, it's a no brainer then. So <laughs>
1: at, at that point in time. It's amazing how we interpret God's signs. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie, man.
0: I never forget. I told God, I said, I said, send me a sign. And as I'm just going about my normal Bill O'Brien so random calls me New Year's Eve says he's going to Houston Texans and taking that job mm-hmm. immediately. I'm in the car with my buddies. It's New Year's Eve. We're getting ready to hang out a little bit. From that point forward, when he left, I said, I'm, "That's that's it for me too." Next day, I woke that night up. you
1: probably you probably had a little tab like you was a pro. Man, that <laughs> you, that you night, told, I, let's get we, some bubbly, bubbly guys. This is it. I'm out of here. It. And I to, and I know my buddies there never because you always either. tell the little homies first.
0: Yeah, and mind you, we in the car together and the call comes through and I tell them, turn down the music, turn down the music, it's an 814 number calling me. And I answer the phone and it's like, it's Coach O'Brien. He's like, you know, I'm leaving to take the Houston, Texas job. Right when I get off to the phone, they ask me, like, yo, who was it? I was like, it's Coach O'Brien. He said he was leaving. I said, I'm out. And I think I end up tweeting, it's State College, it's been real. <laughs> right, Right after that. And then, lo and behold, you know, I talked to I talked to uh, at that point in time. Um, I knew I was going to leave. I talked to my parents. You know, we prepared for that. End up signing with an agent, and then I end up coming out. You know, so that was the kind of funny story leading up into that. And then again with the draft, man. Once we get into the second day, I see people start coming off the board, come off the board, come off the board. And at this point in time, I'm frustrated. You like I'm that dude frustrated. wasn't no
1: good in college, man. I'm now frustrated. I'm the best receiver in the Big Ten. It's one of the top one or two conferences. Yep. Like, this just ain't even right. Maybe it's Penn State. These people don't respect me. All this stuff going through your mind, yep. right? Yep. And then I actually left
0: my draft party. I, I just I just went and took a little walk. I went, and I'll never forget. It was like a little spot outside, and I just sat down on like – it was like a little curb. I just sat down on the curb. I'm just tracking the phone for my draft. Um, One of my coaches texted me, asked me if I was good. You know, people kind of text me, making sure I'm straight or whatever. So I'm tracking the draft on my phone. Indianapolis Colts pick come up. My phone rings. As soon as my phone ring, I'm thinking like, okay, they said that they wasn't going to let me get past this pick. Andrew Luck is there. T.Y. was there at the time. Reggie Wayne was there at the time. I'm like, that's not a bad situation to come into at all. You know, mm-hmm. I had took a visit there. I had met some of those guys as well. I answered. They're like, it's Jacksonville. And I'm kind of like, it's Jacksonville. And they had just drafted my boy Marquise Lee earlier in the draft. So mm-hmm. right when we get off the phone, they're like, we're drafting you. Congratulations. I talked to the head coach. As soon as I get off the phone with them, I call my agent immediately. And I'm like, yo, Jacksonville just called me and said that they were drafting me. Like and he like, yeah, they just traded up to get you. Or whatever. So then at that point, I had, I didn't know any, anything about Jacksonville. I had, I hadn't visited there or anything like that. Um, all I knew was that Marquise Lee had got drafted there as well and that they also drafted Blake Borders the year before that. So like the whole next day after my draft, my boys is at my crib. They like, they like Googling the roster, seeing who on the team, trying to figure yep. out, you know, what Jacksonville is like and
1: stuff like that. So. So that was your experience going to Jacksonville. Yep. And that was a good experience for you. Because as he a young player, um, you know, a lot of people say, well, man, send me to a team that's winning. If I'm a young player, send me to a team that I can play. Because you could be on a winning team and not get developed the right way, or only be a special teams player and never get the opportunity to be a starter. So being thrust where you were with a bunch of young receivers, only a few veterans there. What did that opportunity provide you being introduced to the NFL?
0: Man, it gave me a... a- a beautiful opportunity. You know, I'm a person that I always look at like if if I'm going to be tossed into something any kind of way, I don't want to just dip my toe in, you know, just throw me into the fire. Let me learn. Let me adapt. Let me get better. And from that day forward, you know, from me being drafted, stepping in me, Marquis Lee, Alan Hearns, uh, I'll never forget it. Uh, after week two or week three, all three of us started pretty much the rest of the season. You know, we started three rookies at receiver. And we was all learning from each other. We had a rookie quarterback, three rookie receivers, you know, but it was a chance where I tell people all the time it's nothing like being able to judge yourself on film and actual game film and being able to see what I could and couldn't do, being able to see the pros and cons to my game, being able to see how I could get better. You know, I never I never forget, you know, halfway through the season, I had kind of struggled early on running seven stops. And by like, I mean not seven stops, but but nine stops. So by the time it got to like week seven, week eight, I'll never forget it, man. We were opening the game with me running 10, 12 yard stop routes, you know, and that's and I and I'm really getting it, you know, really, really learning how learning the route tree, learning, learning how how guys are playing in the NFL, being able to to get that, but I got that. I'm talking sixty plays a game for the entire season, which helped me develop so much.
1: And that led you to 2015, having a spectacular season, tied in the NFL as far as touchdowns. Earlier in my career, um, I remember tying with Jerry Rice, I think in my third year. And before I transitioned to Minnesota, I was in Philadelphia. But for you, that success that you did have there, subsequently you had an injury, but ultimately you transitioned where you hit free agency. What were you thinking about when you hit free agency and why cuz there was a number of teams that had put in substantial yeah. offers financially like you were going to be set for a long time as far as money after this contract but you decided on the Chicago Bears
0: yeah so um you know coming off that 2015 year uh, and then going into 16 16 um I want to say I had like 885 or something like that you know it was a, it was it was, a, it was a crazy year we fired our offensive coordinator uh like week 6 or something like that week 7 you know he's a guy who I had a great relationship mm-hmm. with who 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 was calling the plays for the best year I had I had ever had you know and then later in that season we fired our head coach so it was a lot going on in my third year and I would say that something that I learned from in that year was I would say for the one of the few times in my career for whatever reason I had felt bad for myself a little bit with everything else that was going on and after that year I told myself I would never do that again I look at mm-hmm. so many different things based on that year that I could have I felt like maybe corrected myself. Rather than kind of sulking, rather than kind of being frustrated, rather than kind of, you know, looking at the things that were going wrong and allowing myself to be down on those things, rather than pressing for myself to be better. However, I could be, you know, I I really that really after that season, I said, I never let that again. Nothing from the outside of what I got going on or what I'm doing on that field I'll ever let affect me ever again, you know, and then going into the fourth year, I end up getting hurt. You know, and I had mm-hmm. I had trained I had trained with Randy that off season. I had mm-hmm. trained with some other people, so I had a great I had a great off coming into the season. You know, and then I got hurt third play of the season. And again, stop
1: I, stop right there because you overcame the injury. Now, Randy Moss is one of my favorite receivers all time. Give me some of the because a lot of the things that he teaches, I have taught him, and people are shocked. About his overall football IQ give me your interaction with Randy give me some of the some of the things that you worked on and give me some of the things that you were surprised about about Randy Moss
0: man it was a great experience man we I trained out there in Charlotte for about five to six weeks Mm. uh every day you know we were we were uh getting after you know and just doing a lot of a lot of footwork stuff, catching a lot of footballs. You know, doing a lot of conditioning. You know, it was like being in a tremendous amount of shape. You know, um, you know, catching the ball when you're tired, doing a lot of different things. You know, that's and one of the
1: first things that I taught him was if you're gonna be a wide receiver, you got to be in great shape.
0: Great shape, you know. And and we did again. I mean, this after running routes, uh, with courts, running. You know, doing all kind of stuff. We'd get out there. For the conditioning, we might have to catch 10 go balls, 12 go balls. Yep. You know, so being able to, you know, mentally lock in like that, and even I'll never forget it. It was like July 4th. You know, it was, uh, it was July, it was what? Like July 5th, the day after July 4th. And we were getting it in working out. And then he just kind of said, you know, it was like me and one other dude. And he's like, look, we got a small group today. You know, and he like, you know, a lot of guys in the league, you know, July 4th and went hung out. You know, dudes may mm-hmm. not get back at it. I think July 4th was on a Saturday. He's like, dudes may not get back at it on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then one thing he looked at me, he said, he ain't no days off, man. Like, 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 like in the league, once that season cracked, ain't no days off, you know? And that's, and me being able to take all those interactions from him, you know, again, and applying it to everything that I could based on the mindset that I was trying to develop anyway, coming off of that mm-hmm. third year, you know? So once I got hurt, you know, obviously it's my contract year. You know, it was a year that I was looking forward to, you know, going all in and kind of bouncing back, you know, from having not the year that I want to have prior. But at that time, I never forget it, man. Once once they told me what they thought it was, I was in the locker room, you know, um, I had I shed one tear and I told myself, you could either feel sorry for yourself or you could make this thing one of the best things that have happened, you know, and Mm -hmm. from that day forward, you know, from just. The setting and the environment, even which I would I, at that point in time, I never since then I never would would uh wake up with just alarms. It's like you know the the regular alarm always. I'll have my alarm set on music every single day when I'm waking up. It just will motivate me from the time I woke mm-hmm. up in the morning, from the mm-hmm. time I went to bed, focused, locked in on my rehab, getting better. You know and that was my only and main focus. You know and I think overcoming hurdles like that. You know, really helped me out tremendously just moving forward, meaning that, you know, being able to just lock in when things may seem tough and and, uh, very inopportune, being Mm -hmm. able to tap
1: in and lock in. And I I know um, through the recruitment of the NFL, there were a number of teams offered you a lot of money, a lot of guaranteed money. You went to Chicago. And you've played out that contract. Subsequently, they franchised you. For the 2021 season, which means you're going to get the average salary of the top five players, which is a good salary, but it's not what veteran NFL players want. We all want security. We all want long term and we want a lot of that money to be guaranteed. You in Chicago have not been able to to come up with that agreement um, as we approach. <laughs> I mean, the 12 o'clock hour to the 2021 season. Give us your thoughts about you and your family and what you guys are thinking for as we move through the summer, getting to training camp, and as you prepare to be one of the elite receivers that we have in the NFL?
0: Yeah, you know, through the whole process, even like last season, you know, last season it was kind of frustrating because it was something that I thought that I had deserved. And, you know, just with kind of how the talks were going, you know, to me uh, seemed a lot more... Not on the financial side, but on the personal side, which to me was what was frustrating in in itself. <laughs> All wide right so,
1: receivers take contracts personal.
0: <laughs> for sure. And again, I mean, and and I think that at that point in time, based on based on what was said, I think I had the right to, you know, um, and again, and you know, once I kind of got over that and into this offseason, you know, I for the most part, I guess, knew that I would be be I would be franchise tagged and I didn't have I didn't I didn't get my hopes up again, you know, thinking that something was going to come about. You know, I mean, it wasn't really any negotiations at all, you know, uh, since last September when uh, everything kind of came about a possible trade and stuff like that. So other than that, it hadn't really been anything that anything talked about or anything like that, which I didn't expect, you know. So for me, this offseason, man, I just want to lock in and be the best player that I could mm-hmm. be. And that was my only and number one focus. You know, a lot of time when I look at, you know, your career. You know, and I believe you made your first Pro Bowl in year seven, you know,
1: Um, you did your research. I I like that.
0: And and, and for me, you know, I made a Pro Bowl early on in my career, but coming off of year seven and having, I guess, a Pro Bowl-esque year. My main focus is being able to keep stacking every single year on mm-hmm. top of that as best as I can and controlling what I can. Mm-hmm. You know, and the only thing that I can control is 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 how I list them things up on Sunday. You know, and mm-hmm. that's been my main focus and my only focus ever since the franchise tag is, you know, I'm not I'm not going in here worried about trying to prove nobody wrong or anything like that. It's just about me being the best player that I could be doing what I can do and having the best year that I can have.
1: I know you're wide receiver coach. And he's an NFL alumni, and I want you to share with our fans some of the things and the personal connection you have with him and some of the things he taught you because we're a small fraternity. Less than 20,000 men have ever played in the NFL. Less than 12,000 of us have played more than four years. So when you have someone like Randy Moss, that's why I stopped you. When you have the type of coach that you have, I I want you to share with the public how important it is to have good mentors to have good coaches because we can't do this by ourselves and i think that the wide receiver coach that you have in chicago is one of the best in the league and is probably the best that you've ever had
0: yeah you know he's you know he's definitely a person who for us you know um, i'll be i'll be remiss to to leave out coach Coach uh, Sullivan, you know he's a guy who. I oh yeah, excuse on, me. Now, early now, on in my career, you yes, know, he and, was there and, in
1: Jacksonville.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've and, done a lot
1: with with Jerry Sullivan. He he's coached a bunch of Hall of Famers. Yes, yes. No disrespect to Coach <laughs> I, Sullivan there.
0: I, I I gotta show the respect to the Godfather man. I feel like yeah. for, for a raw athletic would, kind of at, receiver, he he a dude who tightened up the the the. The bolts on my game each yeah. and every day mm-hmm. from footwork to whereas it would even yeah. be annoying and frustrating, you know, until mm-hmm. finally I really understood, you know, the footwork in which I needed to have, which is really Help mold the player and game that I have today as far as being a route runner, being a consistent guy who can get off the line, being able to run any route and make any cut, you know? So I definitely gotta, gotta, gotta pay homage to him. But, but Mm -hmm. Coach Furry is a, is a guy for me who, who makes sure that not make sure that I push myself every day, but definitely challenges. Me with something each and every day, you know, which Mm -hmm. I'm a person who I always like, you know, I try to go into every week of practice really every day and say, what do I want to get better at today based on the film yesterday. It may just be something Mm -hmm. as small as pad level when I'm tired or, you know, one specific route or whatever the case may be, where I know Mm -hmm. today if I got this dagger, I'm going to make sure I'm at 20 yards, no Mm -hmm. more reducing on every single dagger they call. You know, so that's kind of how I keep myself mm. motivated and he knows that and he makes sure he's challenging me with stuff like that each and every day.
1: And I know part of that challenge has been to be a great leader in that wide receiver locker room, because that's that's very important to him. But also it is communicating with the quarterbacks and sometimes working with young quarterbacks. You're in a situation that almost all your career you've worked with young quarterbacks. And that's part of the reason why you're underrated. And that's part of the reason why you have inconsistencies because young quarterbacks are inconsistent. Um, you guys have a great athlete, great young prospect in Justin Fields, first round draft pick from the Ohio State. I've watched every snap that he's taken in college after transferring from Georgia. What are some of the things that you have seen? And if Chicago, I know they got to offer you the right money. What would be some of the promising things that you guys as a combination could bring to Chicago? A combination like they haven't seen. Like they haven't done right by the quarterbacks in Chicago and they haven't invested in their wide receivers. So you and Justin Fields Allen can can get that done. Tell me what you see.
0: I would say, number one, um, for him being a young guy coming to NFL, he's a leader. You know, he's a guy who may not necessarily be that vocal yet. But he he leaves by example, you know, the kind of player that he wants to be. You know, he's a person who who gets in early, leaves late, you know, wants to do all the little things. He wants to make sure that he maximizes every single opportunity he has in this league. And he's done that, you know, since really he's he's been drafted. And I think that's mm-hmm. the number one step to being a great player in this league is not taking no not taking a moment for granted, you know, not taking a practice, a snap or anything like that, making sure that you're locked in Mm -hmm. to all aspects, you know, and that's just kind of to his mental level aside from his athletic and physical ability. And obviously, he can throw the ball with the best of them, you know, so with that combination of just his sure athleticism, man, I think think the sky's Mm -hmm. the limit for him.
1: At every level you've been at, you've had doubters or obstacles. Now, at this stage of your NFL career, changing quarterbacks again, playing under a, a a one-year deal. I know that you had people whispering along in your ear that you weren't going to make it, you weren't going to be successful, you made the wrong choice, you should have played basketball, man. You was a lot better basketball player. Oh, man, you should never go to Penn State, man. The dudes don't make it in the pros and everything. What has been your response to the doubters, to the haters? Because they're real. They're not make-believe.
0: To this date, just like you said, man, young quarterback, franchise <laughs> tag. I, I don't think I'd rather have it any any other way. You know, mm. that's just that's just how it's been. You know, for mm-hmm, me being mm-hmm. a three star recruit, for me to you know coming out, you know, I won't say I slipped in mm-hmm. a draft, but you know, from where I was drafted to 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 Jacksonville to now, it's just been like that. You know, and I think that. For myself, you know, like I said, something that I kind of, I guess, gassed myself up to be in the third in my third year was just thinking that, you know, I had a Pro Bowl year that I just was going to Pro Bowl again again and again. It was going to be a leprechaun with a pot of gold sitting for me walking to, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. after that didn't happen and I told myself, and I said, I don't know how I kind of psyched myself out to believe that that would happen because nothing has been like that for me. You know, and I wouldn't want it any other way. You know, the same way, kind of. I guess last year, I don't want to say I psyched myself out, but you know, I kind of, I kind of snapped out of it and said, man, I, I didn't have to work and, and excessively work for everything that I've gotten, everything that I've had. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm fine with that. You know, and again, I wouldn't have it no other way. You know, no matter, you know, what I'm saying, no matter what it is, how it go, you know, it's when it's time to work, let's get it.
1: You have kind of adopted that's your mantra. That's what you're going to be about. But most of the time when I encounter people like that, it's because they come from good people. You talk about your grandmother, the influence she had on you um, as an educator. You talk about the two parents, their influence that they've had on you. I read a lot of stuff about how important they are in your life. You're very charitable. You've established foundations. You give back in the community, either that being in Jacksonville or even being in Chicago. And I love the fact that you have some type of reading program or education program. But when COVID hits, man, kids that weren't thinking about reading, they were trying to get fed. They needed food. And then you start trying to feed them. What stirs because everyone is not that way. What stirs that that charitable side um, compared to you just being a, a diva wide receiver and only caring about yourself?
0: Uh, again, man, growing up, you know, um, I would say that, man, I've been blessed to have a great supporting cast with my parents, with my family, with my aunts and uncles, with my grandparents, you know, I've Mm -hmm. been able to have a great group of people around me, you know, always, you know, and being able to, to know what I've been able to accomplish, you know, again, coming from, coming from Detroit, doing the things that I've I've done and stuff like that is like, man, it's. It's no other way except for me to give back. You know, I wouldn't feel, mm-hmm. I wouldn't feel grateful or I wouldn't know how to pay homage any other way except for that. You know, again, I mean, I've been blessed, man, to, to, to accomplish the things that I've accomplished in seven years, going into my eighth year, you know, being able to get on that grass each and every day, man. I've been blessed, man. And it's, and it's no other way that I can do that except for trying to help, you know, grant some kind of blessing a- along others. And through reading, through, you know, the, the, um, helping out with meals, whatever it mm-hmm. may be, man. Even even sometimes if it comes to just working with some of the youth guys and things like that, man. Any other mm-hmm. way that I can kind of give back, you know, and pay my homage back to what I've been blessed with, I try to.
1: Yeah. Your foundation is called the Within Reach Program. Um, is there any other way or... Give me kind of what are the themes for this year? What do you plan in the Chicago area? God knows those kids there um, need as much support. What do you plan on doing in, in in being a member of the Chicago Bears and being a part of that community?
0: Yeah, so so we have our normal events through the year. We just had a, a fundraiser at Top Golf where we raised, I believe, about fifty or so thousand dollars. You know, that, that'll that'll mm-hmm. go to the foundation. You know, we have two big fundraising events. We have another one that'll be at some point in time in probably November. Mm -hmm. And then also this year, what we've added to our list is, you know, we've partnered with the Greater Chicago Food Depository that we will be doing around Thanksgiving time, doing a food drive and working with helping getting families fed and also in two thousand twenty two looking to open in another reading room along with having some Christmas events and stuff like that, taking some kids shopping. So we have a lot planned on the on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, and for everybody you can go to alanrobinson 12org to find out any information or if you want to donate or participate in any kind of way, come to our events, you know, even if it's not, you know, um financially based. If you just want to come out and, and help out and support whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, man, you can you can find a way to help us out.
1: Um, do you plan on opening up any more reading rooms um in the yeah, future? Yeah, so
0: we're looking to we're looking to hopefully be able to get another one open in 2022. You know, we have two right now. We were supposed to do one last year, but but we didn't get the opportunity to. So we're mm-hmm. definitely hoping to to do another one in 2022 for sure. I mean, we've had great success with them. You know, we've been able to get some feedback from from the kids as far as the books that are in there, any other literature that they may want, you know, and being able to really get in the inner city of Chicago and not only get these kids just any old kind of Literature, but being able to get them stuff that they want, you know, being able Mm -hmm. to do stuff that they want to read, being able to get them certain things by authors who look like them. You know, I think that's the biggest thing in the community is for them to be able to see people who look like them, who's also sat in the same shoes as them, being Mm -hmm. able to say, Hey, I found success and now I'm coming back to help out. You know, anything that you can do and want to do and dream of can happen.
1: Um, I believe within five minutes, um, a conversation, you get a good feel for who people are and what they do. Um, I hope our fans, I hope NFL fans, I hope wide receiver fans, they get a good feel for you as a player, for you, who you are as a man and who you want to be. Tell me, if football was taken away either by you have a great career and it all ends for all of us and you win a Super Bowl, what's next? For Allen Robinson,
0: I want to be an agent and I'm going to tell you why I don't want to be an agent because it's a person who goes around and is cool to represent athletes or anything like that. I was really um, touched by the great Eugene Parker, who was my agent and Mm. the impact that he had on me as an as an African-American agent and also to my family. You know, this is a this is a family of me and my family who didn't we didn't have any experience with NFL or agents mm. or anything like that. So for somebody to be able to take me in not only as a client but as a person and educate me and my family on on generational wealth and how that looks and how to accumulate that, you know, the best way to go about things, you know, being able to really educate me and help me and my maturation as not only a football player, but more so as a man. You know, that was something that I really you know have taken you know since the day I signed with Eugene and 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 uh God rest his soul but he's a person who's mm-hmm. had a, a tremendous influence on me and my family and I'd be remiss to say that you know a lot mm-hmm. of the knowledge and stuff that I have when it comes from off the field and again from finances and things like that came from him
1: yeah he's he's done this for years he has made players millions and millions of dollars off the field. Now he does a great job negotiating contracts. So he did when he was alive. God rest his soul. But, um, I go back to Dion, Dion Sanders. He was the agent for Dion Sanders. And when Larry Fitzgerald was coming out of Pittsburgh, he was selecting agents and there was five names that, that we selected in the group. And I never in mentoring Larry, I never told Larry what to do. I would pr- put things in front of him and say, Larry, you have to make the decision, that being with colleges, that being with prep schools, um, and that being with his agent and some other businesses. Larry chose Eugene, which I'm not surprised. And as you know, Larry, Larry has gone on to make, he's made more money than any non-quarterback in NFL history. And a lot of that is just not based on his ability as a wide receiver. It's what Eugene Parker taught him. And I'm so glad that you did bring Eugene up. Um, because there's so many guys behind the scenes that have done things like this that propel you to a great career. And we need more people like yourself that have that experience that that we as young athletes need that direction. And I'm sure that you can make a great impact on changing young people's perspective um, for the next generation.
0: Because that's really what it's about, man. It's, it's not just about you know for myself doing it, like I said before, because it's cool. It's being able mm-hmm. to sit there Again, people who come from the same demographic that I come from, come from very similar backgrounds that I come from, Mm -hmm. being able to tell them, man, that not only do you have an opportunity of a lifetime for yourself and playing the game that you love, but you have an opportunity of a lifetime to change your whole family's trajectory from now Mm -hmm. forward. For you, your kids, your kids, kids, for whatever the last name is on the back of your jersey, for those people that you live for and play for to never have to go through some of the things that not even that you went through, but your grandparents and people like that. You know, I look at all the time I think back to, you know, my grandparents are from Alabama and I think about, you know, if they were alive, you know them looking at me right now and the things that I'll be able to provide them with, you know, Mm -hmm. just from, you know, I'll never forget it. Man, it's a lot of stuff, man, with my grandmother, you know, having to be in kind of assisted living and things like that. Different things I'll be able to change for her if the situation Mm -hmm. was like that back then as it is now, you know, because as grown men, you know, that's what we want to do is we want, we're we doing all this because we want to take care of not only the people who took care of us, but the ones who are coming after that. And I want to help out any young guy I can to be able to give him the amount of knowledge as much as I can to be able to for him to do that.
1: And he's Allen Robinson and I'm Chris Carter. And that's why we have him as a guest on wide receiver one. You're an amazing human being. I knew you're a good football it. player. I appreciate And um, I was cheering for that guy for the Bears. And now I'll be cheering for the man. Um, Look forward to seeing you in 2021. Look forward to you going across that water and and making some Pro Bowls and making that Justin Fields a, a, a better quarterback. So thanks for being with us. Thanks for taking time and looking forward to what you're going to do this year.
0: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
1: Huge thanks to Allen Robinson. And thanks for listening to Wide Receiver One, a Blue Wire podcast presented by WinBet. And don't forget, subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Chris Carter. Come catch me next week.